It's that tampering time, that legal tampering time. We've got all of the opening of free agency to discuss, as well as tight ends and safeties. It's the Push Off Podcast. everybody welcome to another episode of the push off podcast your favorite weekly nfl show that discusses everything that happened last week while getting you ready for the next i'm your host scott ogan and joining us as always it's dan in the voidable years right that's right dan we've got that's an old mike and the mechanics reference by the way if anybody likes mike and the mechanics in the living years you'll understand later why well over my head uh no (laughs) um what we have is a uh, jam-packed show here because we are doing our draft breakdown we're in the middle of it we we hit two positions an episode and we give you all of the well good look at the prospects for 2021 who are our positions again dan uh, we have tight ends and safeties. Tight ends and safeties, and we're discussing it here in, at the very beginning of free agency because it's legal tampering time, which Ooh. apparently means just go out there and sign people or say that you're going to for this amount on, on Wednesday as soon as cl- clock strikes whatever based on your time period <laughs> or time zone, excuse me. Um, so that's where we're at. I mean, the news came out about the salary cap this week, and I want to start there because that was a big news. The salary cap is set now for 2021 at $182.5 million. Sounds like a lot, but it is quite a dip from just last year's $198.2 million, plus $40 million per team player benefits. <laughs> Throw that in there. Uh, this is a cap that has gone up at least $10 million every year since 2012 and now is going down. So it's leaving all these teams tightening their belts. I I don't think it's as bad as it could have been. True. Um, I think I think it's a temporary stopgap. I think a lot of teams are looking at this year as sort of like a restructure year um, to kind of get their numbers under control. And you're seeing a lot of avoidable uh, years. Um, something we we didn't have all the details for Dak Prescott's contract last week, mm. but that's a big part of it is a four-year deal, but it was technically a six-year deal with voidables um, that is really helping these teams, especially cash or cap-strapped teams, sort of spread that pain over the back-end years of the contract. So it's it's becoming almost ubiquitous with a few of these things. That's true, yeah. So yeah, we'll see how everybody's doing. There's a lot of restructure talk happening right now at the beginning of free agency. Everyone's trying to make room to go out and get their team better and that's a weird conversation to have restructures extensions some way to make money now uh, money space now kind of thing um one of the biggest uh, news things also here this week is the retirement of drew Brees. speaking of a team that's cash strapped that's the new orleans <laughs> saints even if drew wanted to stick around they couldn't afford him but uh he is retiring and joining the nbc sunday night football crew is he kicking out Tariko? Because that would be phenomenal. Oh, wouldn't it? I mean, we are not Tariko fans here, but I don't, I don't doubt he's taking over that that position. He's probably going to be an analyst guy, something that uh, Tariko can throw it to to ask him quarterback questions. 
can can we be done entirely with Chris Collinsworth? Is that possible? No. Can we do this? See, no, I'm not going to join you on that side. I don't mind Chris Collinsworth. Oh, you like Collinsworth. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a natural move for Breeze. I mean, he's just a guy that is uh, ab- about as America as you can get, you know, grew <laughs> up in Texas, college in Indiana, played in L.A. and or San Diego, played in San Diego and played in uh, New Orleans. He's got kind of a universal appeal. Like nobody ever, nobody hates Drew Brees. You know, yeah. he's so anodyne and antiseptic that you can put him in anything and people go, oh, he's just kind of a rah-rah fucking guy and, you know, the only time he's, he, he's what we think of as American quarterback. The only time he got in hot water was the, again, defending the American flag and I don't know why people kneel that thing and, and a lot of his teammates were like, mm, Drew needs to be quiet. And then Drew quickly was like, you're right. I need to be quiet. And his diamond investment, which is just oh, yes. stupid rich guy shit. Spending a bunch of money on fake jewelry. <laughs> Drew Brees. These diamonds were supposed to appreciate. You are a moron, Drew Brees. Buy property, you dumb fuck. <laughs> but let's not... Uh, Sorry. You know, yeah, on, on his way out the door, we got to give Drew Brees his, his credit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel... so. This, But this is Drew Brees' career, you know what I mean? Like, Drew Brees' career yeah. was... Probably for the vast majority of his time in the NFL, he was the second best player in the NFL. Yeah. For the vast majority of his time there, there were day, there were years when Peyton Manning was lighting on fire and Drew Brees was right behind him, and then Tom Brady lighting on fire and Drew Brees is right behind him, and then Aaron Rodgers is lighting on fire and Drew Brees is right behind him. But at no point was Drew Brees ever the best player in the NFL. And that talk- one year where it was like, ah, it could have been him or it could have been Mahomes, and then Mahomes just absolutely ran away with it in the last couple of games. You're like, sorry, Drew, we really wanted you to get an MVP, but you got a Super Bowl that's better than most. I think you coined it that year, too, the, the Drew Brees is the Susan Lucci of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he, he really is the Susan Lucci of the NFL. And when Susan Lucci retired from Days of Our Lives, people were like, well, how are we going to replace Susan Lucci? You can't replace the... <laughs> The gravitas of a Susan Lucci. You really well, can't. Thank you so much for the segue, because uh, apparently the Saints are bringing back Jameis Winston. They gave him a year, $12 million, uh, and t- Taysom Hill took a restructured deal. Yeah, Taysom Hill's restructured deal is like the epitome of voidable years, <laughs> where yeah. the contract is completely meaningless. It just it saved them about $7 million in cap hit, and then spread it out over four years uh, that... So that's the th- crazy thing is like it's literally a four year spread, and it, everything voids next year. So like as soon as he hits the off season, he's a free agent, um, and he basically just gave away seven million dollars of cap space in order to make sure that like no matter what happens, he's a free agent next year, and he's going to get paid that money on the back end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he you, they they bet on themselves. They put themselves in that situation to uh, go out and get more money in free agency. But you're right. He's in a situation that loves him there in New Orleans. That's going to be probably the best for Taysom. So, very oh, where, kind. Where else of him. are you going to get a better fucking deal, Taysom Hill? Like, yeah, you know, you get you get a pretty well built offense with a pretty good offensive line and good wide receiver weapons. Where the fuck are you going? Yeah, give up. You know, spread that seven million around a little bit. It's all it's all weird accounting anyway. A uh, couple of trades went down here this week. Let's hit those before there's more. Because they're on their way. You know they are. Uh, Patriots traded for tackle Trent Brown. They give the Raiders a 2022 fifth rounder. Uh, and they, the, they're they getting a 2022 seventh rounder from the Raiders. Uh, but Brown's going to be a free agent just after this year. So it's basically a one-year rental for tackle. 
And I don't think that's a bad idea. I think anytime you have a quality tackle that is available for around $10 million in cap hit and you're not giving up a, one of those primo picks, and I consider a fourth-round pick kind of a primo pick because mm-hmm. um, you should still get a starter in the fourth. Well, this was um, a fifth. Yeah, so they didn't give up a primo pick. Oh, is what I see I'm what you're saying. saying. So yeah. if, if you're able to get a tackle without parting with one of those primo picks, I think you did a great job. Um, and the fact that they get a little seventh back, you know, I mean, it's it's not Rick Spielman. Who knows what they're going to do with a seventh? Um, <laughs> right, right. We'll but see. yeah, whenever you have a situation like that, I think it's, I think it makes sense. I don't think they were happy with Brown, you know, out there in Las Vegas, and I think he'll be back to flourish in a system that he did really well in. Well, it's something to look forward to, and then also to, we got plenty of Patriots talk tonight. Um, oh yeah, uh, and then Houston and Miami traded linebackers Benardrick McKinney to Miami, Shaq Lawson to Houston. I think it makes a ton of sense for Benardrick McKinney. You know, I don't understand why why they wanted Shaq Lawson down there, and because I also don't understand anything the Texans do ever. Yeah. Um, Benardrick McKinney. Is still a guy you can get assets for. Why would you trade him for an asset like Shaq Lawson, who at best will be with you for a couple years and then decide not to resign? I, I don't understand it. Hmm. Yeah, Houston, Houston's making a lot of head scratches, and, and we'll see how that one goes. These two, even though they're both linebackers, they're kind of play different roles, right? They do. I, when uh, when Kyle Van Noy was cut by the Dolphins, you're like, oh, well, where's that veteran leadership going to come from? Uh, you know, in that in that Dolphins locker room, and the answer already is Bernardrick McKinney, which isn't bad. Um, Shaq Lawson's under contract for two more years. Um, he's only twenty seven. It's not a it's not a terrible deal, but he still owed a lot of money for the sort of linebacker that he is. I think he will fit better um, with the Texans than he did with the Dolphins, but you know, he's still a Dolphin or he's still a Texan, so that sucks. Okay. Uh, and then we got some tags right before free agency hit. There's a couple teams that took advantage of uh, some franchise tags, and that was Giants tagging Leonard Williams, defensive end. You like that one, right? I do. I think that's a good – it's a smart decision. And Leonard Williams made a good decision in getting traded from the Jets, which is generally a good decision in life. <laughs> yeah. um, he didn't get far from the Jets, but you know, worked out well. I don't. I don't think you had to change houses, which is kind of nice, right? That's a way to get traded. Um, Bears tagged uh, wide receiver Allen Robinson. Now I'm hearing that that's not uh, fully. You know, not both sides aren't enjoying this. Allen Robinson wants a long term deal. He's arguing that he won't sign this uh, tender. I assume he will at some point if that's what it comes down to. But it doesn't look good. I also, I also think it's a good way for him to be like, listen, until I sign this tag, I don't have to do anything. Hmm. You know, people forget that's the one good thing about a franchise tag is you're like, okay, I'll sign this right before the season because I don't want to do your off-season fucking workouts. I don't want to do your bullshit. I don't want to get to know your new second-rate fucking bargain basement quarterback, you know, yeah, because <laughs> that's what the Bears are going to try out there. There's no money, yeah, lined up in that, right? It's not part of their contract to appear at no. off-season workouts or anything like that because they're on the tag. Yeah, if, if anything, it's actually worse because you could get injured and then they're like, oh, we're releasing you. <laughs> Because you know, that shit ain't guaranteed. Right. And then um, Buccaneers, um, they'll start with a tag. Buccaneers tagged Chris Godwin, so he's coming back. And then they spent the, the this week making sure that all of their big names, at least, uh, outside Leonard Fournette, I think Leonard Fournette's gone, but everybody else is coming back for 
uh, the Buccaneers. And I'm going to, I'm going to cross that over into our signings. Cause we go, oh God, there's so many of them, but they They're re-signed really Levante David. He's coming back. They extend, or they signed Shaq Barrett, gave him a mm-hmm. nice new deal four years, 72 million with 36 million guaranteed. Half guaranteed, always nice. There you go. Gronkowski's coming back, and they extended Brady through 2022. Uh, saves the Buccaneers $19 million against the cap, just extending Brady another year. It's these fucking crazy avoidable years. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is Brady's last hurrah. Okay. Um, and then I think Tampa will be in a little bit of cap hell when he leaves, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But that, what they've done here, what we've kind of seen over the Super Bowl and from now... Drew Brees is retiring. Tom Brady's coming back, and all of these other players are coming back. If you're looking at the NFC South, it's very early, and we'll see what happens in the draft. I don't know what Atlanta's going to pick with that fourth overall pick, if they're going quarterback or not. It's a good spot to to replenish. This looks like Buccaneers' division right now. It does, but I, I think the Falcons very easily could be competitive with a couple more defensive playmakers and you know, some steady play calling on the offensive side. I mean, Matt Ryan isn't washed up. Julio Jones isn't washed up. There's really good weapons there. Um, the Falcons are just kind of a, a, a fuck-knuckle organization that can't seem to get it going. <laughs> they could trade out, maybe, and then pick up some more defenders. I mean, there's not a lot of, like, well, we haven't even really gotten to a lot of defenders in our draft stuff, but from what I'm looking yeah. at mocks and stuff, not a lot of defenders going super top five because nope. of the heaviness of the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and offensive tackles. I, I think the best thing for Atlanta would be to look at their, you know, obviously you got to look at your board and if you fall in love with the quarterback, you got to take him. But if they don't fall in love with the quarterback and somebody else does, get the fuck out of there, man. Yeah, you got you know, the options. Trade that shit back for picks. Even if even if you can add a, a couple guys for depth defensively, just rotational D linemen, whatever, you know, get something to help Matt Ryan because he's doing everything he can. Okay. The offense is doing everything it can. We are, we could talk about Falcons and where they're going to be next year the whole That's night. True. But we're off a tangent. Let's talk about more signings. I've got uh, Texans bringing on Mark Ingram. They signed yep. him right before free agency. Uh, let's talk about all that the Patriots have done. Patriots are bringing back Cam Newton. They gave Cam Newton a nice extension to come back. And then they started spending the big money to Janu Smith, four years, $50 million. Matthew mm-hmm. Judon, four years, thirty-two million over just the next two years. That's all I could find on that. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver, three years, twenty-two and a half million. They're signing Nelson Aguilar. They're gonna sign uh, defensive <laughs> Unlike back, Aguilar. yeah, Jason Mills for a four-year, twenty-four million, and the nose tackle from the Dolphins, uh, Devon Gaschow. Gaschow. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, he's going to the Patriots. All of those guys, new Patriots. The Patriots have a ton of cap room, and uh, it looks like they are sick and tired of having one year not being excellent. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it is interesting the Cam Newton resign because you go, well, whatever way we go, Cam Newton isn't completely washed, but not great. Oh, boy. Uh, sorry, I'm in a dusty basement. Uh, Cam Newton's not completely washed. He's just a guy that isn't the future of your franchise anymore, but he's still a guy that you can trot out there and, you know, he'll take some licks for you. Um, and if you decide you want to go with a different 
offensive style, I, I think Cam Newton is a guy that will make way for it without making too many problems. I guess. And you, it's a guy that could start week one, week two, if you could end up drafting a guy or something. Because exactly. I think the problem with Cam is that he just couldn't finish. the. He was so banged up, his body's so banged up, they just couldn't finish the year. But give him time, yeah. recuperate in the offseason, perhaps. But yeah, is it a fix for the Patriots? Absolutely not. No, they still need a quarterback. Um, and then there's these reports that Garoppolo is plan A. Uh, we'll see that. I, I, these rumors I'm not going to buy into till they start happening. Um, sure. Okay, uh, more signings today. The Ravens are bringing in guard Kevin Zeitler. Gave him three years, $22 million, $16 million guaranteed. Uh, Fills that small Marshall Yanda hole? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously he's not as good as Yanda, but Kevin Zeitler's still a serviceable offensive guard. He was one of the top guards here in the thing. In fact, a lot of offensive linemen started flying off the, the board here uh free agency today. Chiefs are bringing Joe Thune in, five years, $80 million. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes like, I need one lineman, please. Yeah, let both your tackles go. You better be doing something else. And the Chargers are bringing in Corey Lindsley. Uh, from the pay- Packers, I guess center is probably where they'll play him. Yeah, you must be happy about that. Um, I'm glad that he's gone, but uh, again, I was hoping Vikings scoop up one of those three guys I just named. Uh, Fair. They said that they were interested in Thune, but five years, $80 million, I could see why that didn't happen. Yeah, you don't want that shit, do you? Uh, probably not, but we'll see. Um, Jets are signing Corey Davis. Corey Davis getting a new contract in a new place. Three years, $37.5 million, $27 million guaranteed. We'll see how he does in New York. I actually love that signing for the Jets, though. We've loved Corey Davis for so long, but I keep waiting for him to do some more. Than... I mean, he had a good year last year. I mean, if you're... I love the old expression, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb trees, you will always be disappointed in fish. Um <laughs> If you judge a top five pick by not being top five level productive, you yeah. will always be like, uh, we we bombed out on that one. He's a productive NFL wide receiver. He's probably a really good number two that will play in the league for 10 plus years. Good point. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, if you spend a, a top five pick, yeah, that kind of sucks for you. But, you know, not everybody gets Julio Jones in the top five, you know. Sometimes you, you wash out completely. They didn't wash out completely. They just didn't feel like the guy was... Top five quality. They they declined his fifth year option. He actually would still be a Titan if right. they had picked up his fifth year option. Yeah, no, that's true. So here's his new contract in New York. That it's not the only signing they're doing. They are also bringing in Carl Lawson. Gave him a nice contract, forty five million over three years. Oh uh, yeah, and he'll. I mean, he'll be twenty nine when that thing is up. He'll have another payday here. Yeah, yeah, he's still very young. Another name that I was kind of hoping Vikings were involved in. They didn't really make any. Outside moves here today, so we'll see where they go from here. But uh, a couple others, Jaguars are bringing in Carlos Hyde as well as Philip Dorsett. Mm. <laughs> mm. They just need more shitty speed on the outside. What's, oh yeah, they love their. Speed. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the Dorsett signing. I mean, I get the Carlos Hyde thing, but I feel like he's pretty washed out. Uh, Giants are bringing in Devonte Booker uh, to spell Saquon, I guess. Yeah, that means nothing. <laughs> Raiders signing Yannick Nagakwe. Yeah, I mean he's he's another one of those guys that fits that old uh, fucking just edge rush mold <laughs> that the Raiders like to employ. Because Nagakwe ain't stopping anybody's fucking run attack. Yeah, uh, Titans are bringing a couple guys. They get in defensive tackle Danico Autry 
and linebacker Bud Dupree. The Bud Dupree signing is uh, is aggressive. Yeah. Um, really thinking he'll fully recover from that knee injury. As a guy who just, you know, he got better every year, but he also got better every year in a Steelers defense that, like, makes you get better every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see how that goes. Uh, and then a couple more Browns are signing safety John Johnson the third, which that that actually surprised me just a little bit. Um, I thought they were pretty set at the safety position. I know that uh, one of our top ranked safeties of last year, um, who went out with an injury, oh, yeah. you Was know, it Delpit. I, yeah, Grant Delpit. Yeah. Um, I I thought he was maybe going to have an opportunity to do something this year, but this might keep Grant Delpit out of the starting role. I don't know. They had to play uh, Andrew Sandejo for a good part of the year last year. I don't think they want to keep doing that. Uh, Broncos are signing cornerback Ronald Darby. Broncos need a cornerback. Which is fine. Yeah. I think they still are, might be looking that from where they're at drafting, too. It kind of depends. Uh, and then some re-signs. The Packers extended Aaron Jones. Uh, I got my hopes up for a second. He was gone. Nope. I know. Uh, Niners are bringing back Kyle Juszczyk. Um, they love him there. They gave him five years, $27 million. <laughs> and then It's the a big re- contract for a fullback. Yeah, you assume that there's ways out of that one, too. And then uh, Rams re-signing Leonard Floyd, uh, three years, 22 and a half. Uh, really surprised the Rams have any money. Right. <laughs> we'll see that's where they go. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the re-sign so far. I mean, obviously, as soon as this comes out, there will be 20, 30 more signings that we didn't hit, a couple of big trades. And Two more retirements. Yeah, but we'll cover it next week. You know we will. We'll be on top of it. Um, Kyle Long is coming out of retirement. He's joining free agency, so someone wants a uh, – mid 30s long kid you got one i think it's i I think if you're an offensive lineman that didn't lose the weight or the tenacity um the level of guard play he was giving near the end wasn't good but i think you'll take a waiver on the guy maybe heavy incentives and i think he'll take that to go to a winner i don't think he wants to be a fucking bear that's for sure has he only been out of the league one year or two i believe it's just one year just one year okay yeah Mm -hmm. so i hope he can come back as a as a starter again, why not make that yeah. money? Um, okay, that's what I have for the news so far. If we wait 10 minutes, there will be more. That's what's great about the <laughs> NFL offseason. And it, we'll break it for you here. That's right. Uh, the the uh, March Madness bracket dropped here over the weekend, and we are talking your ear off about football, and it's not even happening, but that's what's great about this. Uh, so we're at a good stopping point. Let's take a break, and when we return tight ends and safeties we got 10 prospects to look at do we have any elites Ooh, you gotta stay tuned to find out come right back this is the push off all we do is fuss and fight ain't no use in Thanks for sticking it with us. We are back for the second half of the Push Up Podcast. It's time for our draft breakdown. We're looking at tight ends, we're looking at safeties, and we're going to be discussing 10 of them. Five from each of those uh, positions. 
Who are we looking at this week, Dan? First of all, what position do you want to start with? We're going to start with uh, the position of intrigue for these two, which is tight end. Okay. And uh, those of you that are maybe catching us uh, on an off week and maybe not catching every episode, we've already done quarterbacks, and then mm-hmm. last week did wide receivers and cornerbacks. Those groupings, and go look at mock drafts right now, we might have already talked about a lot, like a good eight of the top ten picks. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, the offensive tackle week is going to be a big one for a first round, too, as you can tell. And then there's some true. couple of pass rushers, couple of linebackers sprinkled in there. But, ooh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Uh, those are the he- cornerbacks. Those are the heavy guys that are going early in this draft, it sure seems like, in April. Now things can change. We are a little over a month away, but let's get you ready, and let's start with those tight ends. Who's the first guy you want to talk about, Dan? So the first guy I want to talk about is Kyle Pitts. Of course it out is. Of, out, <laughs> out of, of Florida. Florida. So Kyle Pitts, we've been teasing you because Kyle Pitts is getting absolutely thrown up on these boards as maybe one of the better tight end prospects of the last 20 years. Yeah. And I think that is overblown. Oh, okay. So you do not that have is, him as an elite. That is not to say. Oh. That is not to say that he is not a top 10 pick. Okay. I think he's a valid top 10 player, but I could not grant him. No, sir, I would not grant him <laughs> the status of elite. I will not put my name on Kyle Pitts being an elite. And I really, really fought myself very hard about this. I had questions about it when I watched this tape too, but part of me was on that side as well. And I was like, well, you could still persuade me. You've, you've watched tape a lot longer than me. But yeah, delve into this guy. Why, what, what did you see? So there's a couple things that are really impressive about this kid for me. Uh, so I, I want to say this. As much as the Cowboys don't need any offensive help, if Kyle Pitts was available at 10, I'd be like, Ugh, I hope there's somebody else available, but I wouldn't be fucking mad because I think he is a top 10 talent, and we always say, you know, draft for talent, best not for need. Best player available. Anyway, yeah, yeah, best player available. So, But moving on, here's some flaws. Um, Kyle Pitts is not a great blocker. It's not that he's lazy. It's just that he's not a technically good blocker and also is very thinly built on the legs. Um, he's, he's a Jimmy Graham-type tight end. I mean, that's that's really what he is. Like, imagine if we knew what Jimmy Graham was going to be and scouted him appropriately. That is Kyle Pitts. Okay. Right now. Like, Kyle Pitts gives me Jimmy Graham vibes all over the place. Has premier wide receiver body control, which is really excellent. He's got good hands. His route running is very good for a tight end. Yeah. But, once again, he is a tight end that isn't best suited to playing on the line. He's a guy that needs to be split out. He's not a road grinder. He's not a downhill blocker. At no point are you ever convinced that he's really going to effectively block you. He doesn't even chip defensive ends on the out, on the outside. And that, for that reason, I couldn't grant him the status of elite. Exactly. We've only granted one elite rank to a tight end, and it was TJ Hawkinson, and I hold by that shit. Okay, you're right. Uh, that's what I was looking at. I go... Because he plays the position of tight end and there is more to the game than what he can bring to you, that's what doesn't allow him to get it. He is 6'6", 239, though. If he was listed as a wide receiver, the range he has, the route running he can do, the smoothness in in that aspect, if he was just a little faster, would he be elite wide receiver? Yes. That's it, right? 
So I went back to, um, obviously I haven't been scouting on this podcast. We've been doing this four years now. I guess this is our third scouting. Yeah. Um, I went back in history and I want to talk about a guy that I would compare him to. And it's Vernon Davis. Hmm. Now, when Vernon Davis came out of Maryland, I would grant him the status of elite prospect. Okay. Now, Vernon Davis was six foot three, but he ran routes like a wide receiver, had hands that could catch anything, excellent body control, and he ran like a fucking deer. Mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts doesn't even have all that. So people are in love with Kyle Pitts because he's a really effective, you know, good in the locker room, doesn't create problems. Everything I hear about the kid is that he's a really nice kid. He's a vocal leader. There's a lot of really positive shit about Kyle Pitts, but he's not going to put your ass on the ground with a block. He's not, if if you get real physical safeties in his face, I want to see how he's actually going to handle them. Because even though he's got good body control against corners, I don't think he handles physicality very well. Because at 240 pounds, six foot six, that's lean, man. That's six foot six, two forty is very lean. We forget about that. No, his his yards after catch and stuff is because he's got a long, stiff arm type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're right, he's not probably going to run over anybody even when he gets the ball. But he's got such a a, a god, a just stride about him when he has it and stuff. Yeah. That yeah, he's he's a a weapon. He's a threat to score from anywhere on the field. That type of guy. But you're right, you can't. He's almost in the way when it's a running play. He's almost a guy you have to sub out for different tight ends when you want to run the ball. And it's just when you have to do that, that means you're missing a a, a good chunk of your game. Now, we're being nitpicky on a guy that's still probably going to go top five, top ten in this draft. Am I wrong? Deserves to be a top 15 pick. I I would say that. His grade is very, very high. Just because you don't get elite, it doesn't mean you're not a first-round pick and a legit top 15 pick. Um, I would be uncomfortable drafting him in the top five. Okay. But I would not be uncomfortable drafting him in the top ten. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's right so, around there. Um, yeah. it's And that's the thing, man. It's so, it's so fucking close. It's so hard to actually be an elite prospect because you have to do so many things right. You have to almost do everything right. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. It's not fair to a guy like Kyle Pitts who's getting all of this love, all of this dap, who has legitimate issues, and if you take him thinking he's going to be the, the second coming of Jimmy Graham or the second coming of Tony Gonzalez or whatever that is, I, I think you're going to get badly badly burned by that, and I, ho- I hope it doesn't negatively affect the kid. Uh, everybody was really excited with Evan Ingram when he was coming out, and he still, to me, is a, is a wide receiver and a tight end body type of thing. I think he's a better prospect than Evan Ingram. I will give him yeah, that. He's taller. So. He's got better hands and body control. But Ingram was probably faster, and I think Ingram was a more powerful runner too after the catch. Another comparison they're giving Pitts is Darren Waller, and I think Darren Waller is close to him, but uh, Waller is a little bit better of a blocker. Waller is a better blocker. Waller is also more physical in his routes. Yeah. Um, whereas I I don't feel like Pitts wanted to get into it with anybody that was guarding him he just wanted to he wanted to get his space find a separation which granted is a great instinct for a tight end but when we talk about elites we talk about position like you're unaffected by positionality you know that no matter where you go you can thrive yeah and I don't think a guy like Kyle Pitts would thrive in a run heavy offense um because he wouldn't be able to be out on the field for the mismatches because he's a blocking liability yep 
Yep. Yeah. That's what I saw too. Okay, good. That's what I thought when I was watching him. I was like, I don't think he's elite because that blocking problem. We got more tight ends to discuss though. What's the next? Who's the next one? So the next one is our good friend uh, Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth, tight end out of Penn State. I'm glad you said his last name before I did. Uh, big <laughs> guy though, six five, two sixty. He's big. I mean, this is. I mean, you want to talk about? Uh, they talk about guys from Central Casting. Mm-hmm. You know, like what do you want for a tight end? I want a Penn State Pat Fryermuth fucking tight end. That's who I want. He's not a fucking fast runner. Uh, he's a, he's not a, he's not even a great blocker. That's the thing that kind of sucks, but he's more of a Jason Witten type. Okay. Um, which once again, you're being compared to one of the greatest tight ends of all time, but at no point was anybody like Jason Witten's the sexiest fucking tight end I've ever (laughs) seen play the position. He just finds space. He's open. He's got good soft hands. Um, he will, you know, if he catches the ball and you're a couple yards off of him, good fucking luck. Um, you better lower that fucking shoulder because he's looking for you. Yeah. Uh, which I really, really like. Now, he wasn't able to get that same level of nasty for him as run blocking, um, but when he would catch the ball in space and you saw a DB or a fucking safety come at him, he was like, all right, let's go, baby. Um, now, he did have some injury issues um, that kind of plagued him throughout his, his final season, but if he's recovered fully, um, and obviously they'll they'll get the guy in the fucking... Uh, so we'll be able to, we'll be able to look at a guy like this and go, okay, you're going to give us immediate productivity, but at no point will you ever be a top five tight end in the league. That's just the the feeling he gives me still could wind up being a first round talent, but I have him more as a second rounder. I, I think uh, early second round might be a place. The Jaguars hired his position coach out of Penn state <laughs> and they need a tight end type of, I mean, unless they stick with O'Shaughnessy there. (laughs) So, yeah, I think the uh, Jaguars at the very beginning of the second round is a place for this guy. Uh, Another NFL comparison I got was Hunter Henry. He, um, Henry probably has better hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're right. He's dependable in the blocking game. I I thought he was always looking to get to the second level, take on a linebacker, somebody he knew he could control. And it was smart. Uh, he was smart with that, but yeah, he's just not explosive off the line. Most of the time, he's just running to the flat, using his big body to get open, put the defender behind him. That's what you're going to get. And he's, he's going to be good at it. He's going to be technically sound at it, yep. but he's he's going to be that. So you're right. I think he's, you know, somebody that you you pop in there, and if he's the second tight end playing in a two man set like that, then you're feeling good about your pick. Um, it's. Yeah, all I got for Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. Uh, you kind of covered everything that I wrote down. They, they were calling him Baby Gronk because he wears 87, but he can't even stretch the field like Gronk can. So no, that's just and, a fun thing they call people, I guess, is Baby Gronk now for tight ends. Oh, I mean, it's just fun. <laughs> so people forget that Gronk, people go, oh, Gronk went in the second round. What a fucking steal. No, 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 no. Gronk went in the second round the same way Sean Lee went in the second round, the same way Jalen Smith went in the second round, the same way elite talents with injury issues go in the second round. Rob Gronkowski at Arizona was a fucking dynamo. Mm-hmm. At no point does Fryermuth's film approach a Rob Gronkowski's Arizona tape. His his tape in Arizona was filthy. Nope, I agree. Um, okay, the next the next tight end on your list. 
Uh, the next one is our good friend Brevin Jordan. I love how they now he doesn't he doesn't pronounce it like that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Brevin Jordan, our good friend. <laughs> yeah, our good friend Brevin Jordan. Um, Brevin Jordan is a guy that I feel like the body is good. He reminds me of uh, what the fuck is his nuts? Um, our good friend Noah Fant. <laughs> our good friend. <laughs> I went with uh, David Njoku for him. I like that. I like that. I mean, they're both Miami guys. It does fit. Yeah. Um, I think that's why. But he, he reminded me a little of Noah Fant. I don't think he's as good. He's not as good of a route runner. His hands aren't quite as good. But this is a guy with enough athleticism, a compact frame, compact body. It's six foot four. He looks thickly built. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can hear, here's the difference from both Florida area tight ends. Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts weigh the same. Yeah. 245? Is and, that what you get? Yeah. yeah. And so they both weigh about 240 pounds, and holy shit, Brevin Jordan looks like it. And Kyle Pitts are like, oh, you're you're a spindly little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a tough runner. Um, he's quick enough in short areas. I don't think he's a great route runner. Um, he's a willing blocker. Once again, a lot of technique issues. It's not that he's lacking lower body strength, so I... I think it's more technique. I think that's something you can coach up in a guy like Brevin Jordan, and okay. you can still get productivity from a guy that's willing to block, pretty good in short area quickness, um, and a pretty good route runner. I I would put this guy as a late second-round pick rather than um, even a third. I would give him a late second-round grade because he's got some upside, man. Yeah, I, I just went, uh, I went safe on my pick and said day two. He's a day two guy. He'll go in that second, third, yeah. the, that area there. Um, yeah, big body, explosive off the line. I like that he gets yards after the catch. Uh, so many years with Kyle Rudolph to see a tight end move that ball up the field <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. But you're right. He's a little undersized. Even at 6'3", 245 for a tight end, he's he, he's going to have that problem in the NFL. And uh, doesn't win all the contested catches. His catch radius isn't nowhere near Kyle Pitts or uh, you know that type of action like that. So. And then in his blocking, you're right. I like that he's up there, but he usually is giving some ground on those yeah. pass plays and stuff or times when he's there. So, But I, I liked him. I liked what I saw in Brevin Jordan, and so I can see yeah, him the, again being the a tape is guy. good. Yeah, the tape is good. The tape is productive, but at no point watching the tape are you like, this guy's a fucking diamond in the rough. Right. Uh, you're, going, you're going, this guy's a ruby. You know, he's... He's a ruby that we can polish up and clean up and and get some productivity for, but he, you know he's not a he's not fool's gold. Um, that is what I will say from watching him. He 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 does look like a guy that can play at the next level, and so he deserves to go to your point second day. Yeah, so I think Kyle Pitts, and, of course, and then these other two guys are guys that if your team drafts them in in this year's draft, you're going to get excited to see these guys on the field. The, the last two guys I think you have are guys that, uh, you know, if, if you see them on the field, that'll be exciting, but hopefully they're <laughs> they're kind of coming up on their own. I mean, they could be surprises. I, I'm not going to take anything away from them, but we do kind of a little drop here from those those names uh, that might be one, two, three, four-ish there uh, to these guys, I think. Am I right? So, yeah, I, I mean, definitely. These are a different species of dudes. Like, these are now, we're talking about two day three guys. Okay. Um, that I would be shocked to see either one of these guys go, even in the late third round. Um, who's the first one you want to talk about? So, our first guy is Tony Polian. Uh, Virginia. Yep, our good friend out of Virginia. Also a big uh, guy. <laughs> He's a big boy, man. He's a big boy. Six foot seven. He's uh, about two hundred and sixty pounds. Oh man. Um, 
I wouldn't describe him as lumbering, but I also wouldn't describe him as fleet-footed. When you asked something the other week when we were talking about wide receivers, um, and you mentioned, oh, he's only six foot tall. Is he going to be a threat in the red zone? And my response was, yeah, well, it, it depends on how you use him if you can get him open space. Uh, you took Tony a shot at Julio Jones, and then we moved on. <laughs> I, I did. It was a mild shot at Julio Jones. A guy like Tony Polian is basically, yes, he is an immediate red zone threat. He's mm. so fucking big uh, that, I mean, he's not a great leaper, but at six foot seven, he can high point the ball without jumping, uh, and he's still a fucking threat. He was actually a red zone menace in Virginia. I mean, he had six touchdowns for a Virginia team that wasn't very good. Um, and wasn't in the red zone all that often, but when he was there, he was the target. You know, he had less than 40 catches as a transfer senior season because um, he played at Central Michigan for the majority of his career. But um, this is a guy that I think improved his draft stock going to a different school and showing productivity from a, a team that really needed a target in the tight end position. I said he started as quarterback in Central Michigan. Six seven he two six well, I'm sure he put the weight on after the fact, but Well he was recruit I mean he was recruited to Central Michigan as a quarterback and then okay. he got there and they're like, uh, what do we do? It was the same thing for uh, last year's Adam Troutman. Yeah. Um where he goes, Okay, well, am I gonna play quarterback? They're like, No nah, man, you you're not gonna play quarterback. I'm like, ah fuck. Uh so he's like, All right, I wanna get on the field somehow and you and you like that from a tight end. Most tight ends are always um, position converts anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Jason Witten was um, a defensive end. And you're right, end. this guy, um, uh, he's a blocking uh, tight end with some like flashes of excitement in the in the passing game. I think he can go out there for it. But just it, like a huge frame and can add weight, it just seems like. Uh, and I liked the – he was a sure catcher with the ball. Um, yeah. From what I saw, though, you know, his uh, – Route running can get better. He's not going to outrun linebackers or anything like that the way it is. They talked about his NFL comparison. Uh, at at his uh, height, he could be a Darren Fells. Uh, or maybe you're looking okay. at maybe a Eric Tomlinson. Okay, so big borderline blocker. roster guy. Yeah, yeah. borderline roster, <laughs> big blocker. Yeah. Which which isn't bad. I mean, that's the majority of dudes in the NFL. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think he will be productive for you. I think he'll play in the league for like three or four years. But at no point will anybody ever be like, "That's our fucking guy right there. That's our fucking tight end of the future." Yeah. Uh, and so you got one more, and that's the guy from SMU. I do. I love me the occasional uh, Pony Express little little Mustang love here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. We don't talk a lot about. Actually, I think we have picked an SMU player like every year for the last three years. Is that right? I, I'm, I remember I so. what's his name from Denver. Still one of my favorites. Oh yeah, uh, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Last year, I don't know. Did we have a cornerback from there or something? I don't remember. I feel like we'll have to look at it. But yeah, yeah I feel like we we talk about these Mustangs, baby. Yeah. Um, but this is. But uh, his name is Ky- Kylan. Yeah. Uh, his name is Kyle Granson. Um. Kyle Granson is another guy that I think is in that athletic body yeah. uh, range for tight ends. You know, this is not – the reason why I chose him and Tony was they give you two very different options at the tight end position. Uh, one is a big-bodied, kind of slow-moving dude um, that has still got good body position. And Granson has uh, 
kind of an upside that is intriguing to me. He has the athleticism. He's an eager blocker, but once again, he's playing at SMU. He's not really, you know, facing the best of the best week in and week out, so it's hard to to measure it. But when you have a guy that's at one of these sort of schools like SMU, you're judging a lot of it based on effort, and Granson was a guy that gave consistent effort. Um, sloppy route runner, not always the most consistent hands, but I feel like a guy like Granson could get into an NFL locker room really work on that shit with somebody who's patient with him and could get a really productive tight end out of it. I don't know if you're ever going to get a great blocking tight end, but you can get a productive offensive tight end. Yeah, I think he can run away from the defense if he catches it, uh, find good soft spot in the zone. The NFL comparison I got was like a Trey Burton. Which is still good. Yeah. I mean, Trey Burton, you know, Trey Burton was one of those guys. I feel like that's actually a really good comparison, whoever that Whoever that came from, that was really fucking good. It's like a slot wide um, receiver type of thing, but he can still get on the line if he needs to, yeah. Yeah, he's interested. We talk about this, are you a good blocker? Are you interested? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's not a good blocker, but he's interested. Um, and that's all you can, that's really all you can ask for from a fourth round tight end prospect. Yeah. Or a fifth round tight end prospect. If they can get him to, yeah, add some power to that, maybe, yeah, push some people around, I could see it happening. Yeah, get a little, get a little, get a little steak in your ass, there, son. <laughs> all right, so uh, those are our tight ends. Some, we hit all five eat tight some ends. Some motherfucking potatoes. <laughs> That's starch, and uh, we got to move on to safeties. That is our uh, last uh, group of positions for this episode. We've got five to look at. Who do you want to begin with? So I'm actually going to mix it up a little bit here. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about two safeties simultaneously nice all right let's hear can can you guess who i might be talking about oh okay so i'm gonna guess it might be andre cisco and ifate melofano that is correct the syracuse guys yep uh did so were they both playing how about safety? syracuse's fucking yeah how about their fucking defensive secondary huh we talked about their cornerback just last week uh remind me his name uh, our quarter, who was our quarterback last week? We had a cornerback. It fucking bothers me. Um, it was uh, Trill Williams. Yes, thank you, Trill Williams. He was like our last one. He was a day three guy. But here's two safeties from Syracuse. So um, Melifonwu primarily played corner. And Cisco primarily played safety. And... I think Cisco will definitely go into the NFL as a safety. He is a compact frame. He's about six feet tall. He runs and hits. He's a bit of a fucking thumper. Um, whereas, uh, you know, what is Ifetu Charles Davis Melifonwu uh, is a guy with like a long, thin frame. But I think he grades out better as a free safety than he even does as a cornerback. Because I thought he was much better in zone than he was in man-to-man. I thought he has good ball instincts, but he needs to keep the ball in front of him. I don't think he was a great shadowing corner um, at the next level. And I think if he's a he's a guy that will learn from the failures of his brother, Obi Melifonwu, mm-hmm. um, and probably be able to put together a solid career at safety. He's got good safety instincts, even though he played a lot of cornerback. Yeah, uh, from what I was reading about Melifonwu, it was like they he's taking some heat from his brother not really showing up as height as he was. I mean, his brother was almost a bust is what you could call it, but it's like, oh, so is it going to be the same with this kid? It's unfortunate when uh, you hear that stuff, but hopefully that's not the case because, yeah, he, he was very smooth, nice, explosive, 
Uh, he makes up his space very well. Uh, there were other people too that had him in safety. I noticed that as well. And then Andre Sisko comes to me like a the the bruiser of the bunch, the one who likes to lay the hits down. Uh, also a ball hawk. He always seems to be mm-hmm. jumping in front of routes and things like that, like baiting QBs and interceptions and things. So they're both, yeah, solid guys. Uh, do you have one going before the other, or is it just kind of your choice? Do you need a free or a strong safety? Um, I, I actually think there's a big, big difference. Um, so to me, a guy like uh, Ifetu Malafonwu is a project safety that is probably going to go somewhere in the second, maybe third round. Has all the athletic abilities that you're looking for, um, but probably doesn't deserve to be, you know, a, a first-round pick. Okay. Andre Sisko is a guy that if you fall in love with his play style, which I kind of did, <laughs> um, I really love this dude. Now, in fairness, he was playing on a Syracuse team where they're like, yeah, man, do you. Because the rest of that secondary was really, really solid. And they're like, all right, Cisco, do the thing that makes you the fucking, the motherfucker that you are. <laughs> um, the thing that is going to hurt him, and I think that will maybe drop him all the way into the third round, is he had an ACL injury uh, late in his career. And I, I think that could be really problematic for him. But the, Andre Cisco is a guy that could play free safety. He could play strong safety. He could you know, do some coverage of some slot receivers if they're not super quick. He could cover almost all tight ends in the league. I really love a guy like Andre Sisco, and I would take a chance on him. I would take a third-round flyer, even with the injuries. Um, he, he really intrigued me. Like, I really liked watching his film because he seemed like a guy that was always in on every play. Even if he wasn't making the tackle, I would see him on film. Yeah, you're right. I could see that, too. And he said, even if he's not the guy who makes the tackle, because sometimes he's just throwing his body at the guys. Oh. Oh, yeah. He'll hurt you. He likes hurting you. I, I mean, like, um, that's going to... Sometimes just throwing your body is not tackling, and then they bounce off that, and they're gone for 20 more because you're the safety. That's the yeah. one worry kind of thing with the, the way he plays. But you're right. He's Yeah, it's that recklessness. It's that fly around everywhere safety that it's easy to fall in love with those guys. And it, meanwhile, Ifeitu Melifanwu is closer to... A, a guy that you go, all right, we're going to need to work on you. You still need some honing uh, technique-wise. You've got all the athletic ability, but this is another guy like Obi Malafon who started kind of late, has a lot of innate athleticism, but it isn't directed very well. Mm. He's a guy that at six foot three could probably play closer to 225 um, and be more effective, especially against the run, but... Um, this is not a guy that shied away from contact. This isn't a guy that shied away from hitting. He played really, really well as a as a zone corner, and I think that will translate into the safety position. But he also gives you that position flexibility of like, hey, you could cover a slot if you have to, um, especially the way defenses are hybridizing their secondaries where you go, hey, I need, I need a nickel situation, or I, I actually need to play dime, but I basically want to bring another safety in to cover this wide receiver rather than bring another corner because I don't want to be a complete liability against the run. All right. Well, we got some exciting Syracuse secondary coming up in this draft here. Uh, something, and we'll have another one next year too. Okay. Yeah. So we got some good guys coming through. Uh, a couple more safeties to discuss tonight. What do we got? Yep. I want to talk about uh, my top-ranked safety, uh, which is Trevon Morig out yeah. of TCU. Yeah, this guy was fun to watch too. Yeah, this is so to me. Morig has a first round grade. 
Um, and one of the main reasons is he's got the size, he's got the body, he's six foot two, two oh eight. He runs well. I think he actually um I was looking up his forty time and his forty time was a four five. Um and I was like yeah, I feel like he showed up faster than that on film, which I always love. Mm. I love when I watch the film and I go, that's a 4'4 four, four guy, and then he runs it and he's a 4'5 guy. And I'm like, no, no, I, I'm going to trust the film on this. Okay. Um, now, people may look at that and go, oh, maybe he doesn't have all the size, but he actually reminds me a lot of uh, of Grant Delpit last year. I l- love Grant Delpit. Um, I think he's a guy that hits. I think he's a guy that's an excellent, you know, he was the leader of that defense down there at TCU. I thought he was a guy with excellent production, uh, you know, stuck his nose in, got a couple tackle like deflections. And this is not a guy that was a great ball hawk safety. That's the one limitation from him. That's the thing that might slide him into the second round. Is he, he didn't have a lot of on ball production, but nobody threw his way. Mm. That's the other issue. Um, because he was in on everything, man. He was making a ton of tackles. He was always around the ball. I liked watching this guy's film. Yeah. I thought his I thought his sophomore film was better than his junior film, but I also thought the reason that happened is people stayed away from him in his junior year because his sophomore film was so good. Yeah, okay. Um, there, there's some nice NFL comparisons for this guy, and like you're saying, I think he is going to end up falling in the first round. Safeties are weird. I, uh, we had <laughs> no safeties in the first round last year, I think. I, th- uh, I think Delpit I and them say that's because Delpit won the Browns, so that wasn't. Yeah, where did McKinney go? First round, McKinney first rounder. Was he a second rounder? I thought. Oh God, I don't remember now. There was that discussion that we were looking at our safeties. We got we liked different guys, and they were both going in different spots near each other. I'll look it up. But um, it up. I think I think it was McKinney and Delpit. I think it changes here. After. I think Moriga uh, goes in that first round and, and changes it around. Uh. NFL comparison, there, there's some, somebody said Harrison Smith. Somebody said Tyrion That's nice. Matthew. Jeremy Chin, who just came out. Uh, I think I, Tyrion Matthew is more I don't more think he's, as, the, he's not as athletically gifted as, as Tyrion Matthew. Right, I think it was more on how he played. Um, yeah. I don't know, Vikings are letting one safety go, and Harrison Smith is heading 32 this year, and they're picking at 14th overall. I think 14th is right on the yeah. cusp of reach for Morig. Yeah, but there might uh, be once some, again... There might be some. When you uh, give a guy a first round grade, what are you gonna do? Right, and there, yeah, get us some an offensive tackle or something in that spot. Um, oh, I got I got to give this breaking news right now, or else I'll forget it. The Bengals sure. are signing Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson's going oh. to the Bengals for four years, sixty million dollars, thirty-two million guaranteed. And all of a sudden, he was gonna be one that was gonna get a big money this year. Yeah, I mean that's a. Uh... It replaces Carl Lawson. I don't know if he's better. Uh, I don't think that he is, but you know, at least the Bengals aren't aren't going back into the draft looking for pass rush. Right, right. Uh, yeah, looking to win. Could okay. So there's Trevon Mora. Yeah, I think uh, he can bite and get burned, but God, he's everywhere. I really I liked watching yep. him a lot too. Um, I'm assuming the next one is the guy out of Oregon. That is correct. It is uh, our good friend, our good friend, Javon Holland. <laughs> Now, Javon Holland didn't play at all this year. Yeah, he opted out. Uh, so all of his film is from his freshman and sophomore year. So a lot of the things that are going to affect where this guy goes, because the tape shows me a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. It shows me a first- or second-rounder. A lot of this stuff is going to be interviews, you know, where you're going to ask the guy, like, why did you sit out? Did you sit out because you don't love football? Did you sit out because you didn't think you could improve 
you know, are you tapped out or, you know, do you not like the coaching staff? So he's going to have a lot of questions to answer um, because his body isn't great. He's really athletic, but it's not a great body. Um, he probably could add a little bit of size, um, probably add, could add a little bit of muscle, be a bit more of a thumper, but he's really, really fast. Um, excellent zone coverage safety, not as much of a hitter as Morig is, but this is another guy that also has some, he has some natural ball hawk in him, which may put him into that conversation with Morig. Now, as a freshman, this dude had fi- had five interceptions at the safety position, okay. yeah. which is phenomenal phenomenal but then his sophomore year he had nothing but he was more in the backfield so he had a very sort of upside down uh freshman and sophomore season where they played him a lot more near the line in his sophomore year he was still productive they played him a lot in the secondary as a freshman he didn't get beat he was a ball hawk so he has displayed all of those abilities just not simultaneously um it's uh what's his fucking nuts the this is so terrible. I know everything about football, and I can't remember everybody's name. Uh, wide receiver out of uh, Seattle. Oh, Ole Miss wide uh, receiver out of Seattle. Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Yeah. DK Metcalf. One of the knocks we had on him when he came out is that he would he did all of these things really well, but none of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Javon Holland feels the same way for me. Okay. There are times where I feel like he has his speed on. There are times where I feel like he has his hit and hat on, but I feel like he never has him on at the same time. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I liked how he races up to the ball carriers. Um, he had him on a couple of nice-looking safety blitzes that he seemed to like time at the right time. Um, I didn't like his tackling too much. He thought he could go a little bit lower when he when he tackles. Sure. And then he's – I don't know if he's the quickest when it comes to, like, those speedy receivers. Would he keep up with them kind of thing? But you're right. I, he looks like he's going to be a solid guy in the pros, and I thought – uh, probably a day two guy, probably not too long of a day two guy, but that's whereabouts I expected him, like early day two, second rounder. Yeah, I, I think that's, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the first round if all of the fucking uh, interviews come back screamingly positive, just because the tape is, it shows a, a rising athlete, it shows a rising prospect, but yeah, this is a this is a guy that I think is probably a safer day two, might even slide in the third round. At a third round pick, you're getting a, a real bargain with this guy. All right. Well, we've discussed the this man from Oregon, the TCU Horn Frog, and both of the Syracuse safeties. Uh we got one more to discuss, and this one was a fun one to watch. Yeah, we only have and God man, it's a fucking great name. <laughs> yeah, name it's Divine a, Diablo. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite name so far too, yeah. It's really, really solid. So this is one of those guys that I don't love the productivity. Mm. Uh, sorry, I don't love the I don't love the play when I would watch him on film because you could tell that there's something. He's a step behind all the other guys, but in terms of being just a big motherfucker that'll hit you. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. He's six foot three, almost two thirty. Uh, one of the things I used to love, Bill Parcells used to describe Roy Williams as he's a biscuit shy of a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. And that is that is how Diablo kind of feels to me. He's once again an eager hitter, um, a guy that you know will mix it up pretty much at every level. Um, he'll mix it up at the line. He'll mix it up in coverage. This is a guy that wants to hit. He is a football player, but I don't know if he's not athletically tapped out. You know, mm. this is a guy that is probably a a third round pick 
sorry, a, a, th- a day three pick. I think third round would be a little bit high. Um, but this is also he's a converted wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so he he does very well when you see him in man coverage. It's kind of fucking crazy um, because he's just so fucking big. Yeah, he's a uh, looks like a linebacker, moves like a safety. Since transitioning to safety, he's basically started that for them ever since, and that's a good sign. Somebody that they've counted on here early on in his uh, college career. But yeah, he's not very fluid, and I, I think he's a he's a step behind in dissecting the play. Honestly, I think he's yep. he's just learning that stuff a little bit, and just doesn't have the acceleration and and jumps to those deep routes. But if you're looking for like a hybrid guy somebody that can hop in there as like a a linebacker type of thing in a nickel or something he'd be an interesting choice uh the nfl comparison and i think it's just because it's another virginia tech great that wore his number 17 camp chancellor i i don't think that's a bad comparison i know everyone's saying it yeah so cam chancellor was more athletically gifted cam chancellor was better in coverage but i will tell you this Divine Diablo being a converted wide receiver, you know what he came into Virginia Tech weighing? Mm-hmm. 180 pounds. Oh, you're kidding. He's put on 60? 40. Four. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't count. Yep. He's he's put on a little <laughs> bit over... He's put on almost... But to your point, he's put on almost 50 fucking pounds. That's true. Yeah. So this is a guy that in his entire career has put on goddamn near 50 pounds to play a completely different position. He'll be drafted. He'll play his starting year... At a, as a 23-year-old safety, to which, to oh, your yeah. point, you mentioned the fact that the guy didn't always read the play as quick as you wanted to. This is also a guy that converted from wide receiver. He's still getting used to it. You'd love for the conversion to be a little bit faster, but I thought when he just locked onto a fucking wide receiver, I thought he was much better than when he was watching from the, the deep safety position mm. because he could be fooled by eyes then. If he was locked into the wide receiver, he was much better. So... Yeah, I, I think this is a guy that could be a steal for someone in, like, the fifth round. Um, or if you just fall in love with the fact that the motherfucker came out here, changed positions, and gained 50 pounds, and was still a productive player yeah. um, while learning the position, I, I think it's very easy to fall in love with a guy like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were, they were fun safeties to watch. Uh, I think we've got five that will certainly be drafted but all over the board and and it's interesting there i think uh after tcu guy i don't know how many go that early or how early he even goes might be looking in the second half of the first round probably for safeties to start heading off the board but uh yeah fun group here and of course with a name like divine diablo you gotta be in for a treat (laughs) no there there are a couple safeties that we could see go potentially in the second round um, a guy we didn't talk about a whole ton was Richie Grant out of Central Florida. This is another guy that mm-hmm. uh, I thought probably he looked better than he timed in terms of speed, but he also played for Central Florida, and that's real up in the air in terms of what kind of productivity you're going to get from the guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Obviously, we yeah we can only cover so many, but there's a, a bunch of others that could jump up uh, and be taken here. If you're a team looking for a safety, I know my Vikings are. I'm I'm hoping it works out. I'm hoping one of these uh, solid solid prospects are coming over, uh, and they're a steal. Do you like the fourth round? Do you remember that? Do you remember that year? Um, this is the year we were in Tennessee, and I think who the fuck it was like Juan Thornhill. Uh, it was Darnell Savage. It was like all those safeties that were like late first second round grades, mm-hmm. 
And they started going like, God damn it. Taylor Rapp was going, who's had a really good career there in LA already. And, uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, CJ, CJ Johnson, um, went down to the saints as well. And we we're like, ah, oh, there's a lot of second round talent over here. There is not as much real declared second round talent over here. This is closer to like a third round talent pool. Okay. Um, that's, that's heavily loaded. Still not bad. Still a, still definitely a draft position that's going to give you a starter, Yeah. but not a draft position that is going to like light your hair on fire. Yeah. Uh, and so there you go. That's uh safeties. That was also tight ends. No elites, but some very damn good looking prospects coming mm-hmm. through. So excited to see them uh, and where they end up in the NFL. Um, that leaves us moving on to next week where there'll be plenty more free agencies to discuss, but also two more new positional uh, spots. Dan, have you given it enough time? Do you know what our next two will be? I have. We're going to head back inside, and we are going to talk about pursuit linebackers and running backs. Oh, okay. All right, so the linebackers and the running backs and those prospects, we get a look at them for next week. So you got to come back. you got to come back and take a look at what linebackers and – and, and the men who run in the, the rack are going to be. Uh, we will give you 10 of them at least next week. So tune, tune in. <laughs> hit, hit, just, uh, you <laughs> know, hit the subscribe. Don't touch that dial. Yeah, hit that subscribe button. Let it download automatically onto your iPhone or your, you know, whatever phone you're using. And, and just tell all your friends. Push off podcast. We're, we're working on... We're working on something with Apple where we do what you two did and we just automatically download our entire podcast collection to your iPhone. That would be awesome. Loving it. (laughs) Um, I would be like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) So that's our show, you guys. Thanks so much for listening for another week. Um, It's time for some crazy stats. Here we go. Let's wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got just a few. Here we go. Oh, with the releasement of Eric Fisher from the Kansas City Chiefs, now the longest tenured first overall draft pick is Miles Garrett. That's a crazy wow. stat I've pulled out for many different times, so now it's time to just say it's it's Miles Garrett's turn. Uh, four <laughs> years ago. It starts over. Yeah. So That's first funny. overall picks, none of them have gotten a second contract. Well, or if they did, they're tough, still already gone. It's a tough life. Yeah. And nothing's for sure. Yeah, nothing's guaranteed. Fisher, Fisher was a productive first-round pick. And that was also a really bad draft class. So, if anything, you could kind of say that they lucked out in getting Eric Fisher instead of taking a guy like Luke Jokel, because there really was a conversation between the I, two. Yeah, I think we had times, too, where we yeah gave crap on Eric Fisher, but he probably would have remained in Kansas City if they didn't have to tighten their belts there, I think, with the contracts. Yeah, if he hadn't ruptured his Achilles, either. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Tom Brady's extension with the Buccaneers, but I didn't tell you that that is the... First time in Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise history that they are signing a quarterback to a second contract. A starter. Oh, is that right? Did they sign a backup? Yeah. Uh, so Chris Sims, um, I, I guess it depends how you feel about restricted free agency. Oh, that he just didn't because uh, they, they tenured him, tenured him or whatever. And yeah. So that's that's the one that's the one caveat. But yeah, still that's that's kind of fucking amazing that's that's even even if he's number two, that's still crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then uh just a fun little bit I found in here. Panthers tackle Russell Okun. Russell Okun announced in December that he was gonna convert half of his thirteen million dollar salary to Bitcoin. 
Well, Bitcoin was 27,000 then, it is now 61,000, making Russell Okun's salary go from 13 million to over 21 million. He is a top 30 paid player in the league due to this. <laughs> smart Good man. for him. Yeah, we figured it out, smart man. Uh, those are my crazy stats. That's what we have for the Push Off podcast for this week. Dan, do you have a parting words of wisdom? The draft is not just round one, round two, and round three. You get productivity, you get starters from all seven rounds of the draft. Now, those seventh-round guys might not be sexy, those sixth-round guys might not be sexy, but sometimes a seventh-round guy becomes one of the better kickers in the NFL. Sometimes a sixth-round guy becomes Antonio Brown or Tom Brady. I know we've chatted that a bunch. There's always time to take a look at those guys that aren't necessarily your your hotties. Um, but I wouldn't call any of these guys naughties. Nice. So long, that's, I, got a, I got a hotties and the naughties reference. I, I can't remember when that movie was from. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys so much. That's our episode. Uh, we will see you here next week. We'll be discussing those uh, pursuit linebackers and running backs. So check it out back here. Enjoy the week of free agency. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you next time. Goodbye.